HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My Family Recipe is a new podcast from Food52 and Heritage Radio Network, bringing you cherished heirloom recipes and the stories behind them. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to Japan Needs. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deeper understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. And this show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what ex- exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my good guests. And my guest today is Masamitsu Ishibashi, who is the president and CEO of Misaki Megumi Suisan, based in Japan. And founded in 1986, the company has been focused on processing and sales of fresh seafood, in particular tuna. Tuna, or maguro in Japanese, is one of the most popular fish among sushi lovers. And not only that, the fish has a very special place in Japanese food culture. On the other hand, sustainability is a major issue nowadays, and seafood, including maguro, is one of the most frequently discussed uh, areas. And Masamitsu is devoted to educate people around the world about the precious taste and the flavors of maguro, and at the same time, he aims to become the most sustainable maguro purveyor in the world. So today we'll discuss how important maguro is in Japanese food culture, characteristics of different parts of maguro, how Masamitsu exercises uh, sustainability, and much, much more. But before we start, Japanese is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitch, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitch, and Spotify, whichever list you listen to, and subscribe to Japanese. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now, let's start a conversation with Masamitsu Ishibashi. Hello, Masamitsu-san. Welcome to the Hello. show. Hello. Good morning from Japan. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, very early in the morning, and uh, because we are in the business, I'm sure it's kind of yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> right. So first of all, uh, let's mm. get to know you. So where are you from and mm. what did you eat when you grew up? Okay, thank you. Uh, I'm from Jogashima Island, where it's located in the tip of Miro Peninsula. And Jogashima Island is connected by a bridge. So it is actually like small local town, but it takes like in our um, one or two hours to Tokyo by driving. Mm. It's a local good place, but not so far from Tokyo. So it's kind of convenient. So when I, when I was a kid, I think I ate a lot of seafood. So I was bored of eating seafood at the time. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I preferred meat at the time for sure. Now I like a fish. So I realized my parents were busy when I found the maguro at dinner time. So it's it's good time. Mm, yeah. Right. Well, you didn't realize how um, luxurious your food, the diet oh, yeah, was. Right, <laughs> right, right. But it's, it's common food in Japan, in uh, in my town at the time. Mm. Everybody, I think, ate uh, seafood, especially like maguro. Right. Well, that's mm. the beauty of Japanese food. Whatever is available, you eat at the best mm. condition. That's the spirit of Japanese cuisine. So, all right. So, and then you went to uh, UC San Diego in 2001 mm. to study. So, mm. 
Uh, what did you study there? Okay.、Um, actually, like, I graduated from Aoyama Gaku University in Tokyo, and I studied the system engineering there. After graduating from university, I went to San Diego to study English and marketing for about、mm. uh, maybe like 18 months or something. So, actually, I studied surfing more than marketing in San Diego. I'm <laughs> <laughs>、right. I, 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 I so, so surf boy. And so, I was, it was a really good experience and a good time for me in San Diego.、Mm. I studied a lot there. Right. Okay. So, you experienced two different kinds of.、Uh... Oceans. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay.、Uh, so let's talk about your business. So your father,、mm-hmm. Yukio Ishibashi, started、mm-hmm. Misaki Megumi Seisan in 1968.、Mm-hmm. And I、mm-hmm. heard by selling tuna by himself with just one truck and eventually founded a company in 1986.、Mm-hmm. So, what is the scope of Misaki Megumi Seisan's business?、Um, scope is, let me see. I mean, of course,、um, selling processing maguro, but yeah, it's a well, basically, it surrounds tuna, but、um, you have some other elements expanding、mm-hmm. from the, the fish、um, processing and the sales business. And I also heard、uh, the company runs some、uh, restaurants as well to offer the best kind of seafood. So, so you, the business, scope of the business is really、uh, all about fish, local fish、uh, that captured in your, where you grew up. And then、uh, there's a lot of、uh, seafood, but that too. Okay,、um, okay, let me see.、Um, let's copy it. Okay, my father started m a g r o business when he, he was like early 20s. So it was actually before I was born. So. Misaki is one of the famous maguro ports for maguro. At that, at that time, there were so many maguro wholesale companies in Misaki. So I think it's not so, so difficult to start up maguro business in Misaki.、Mm. So, our, no, the main, main customers at that time in Misaki area were all fish markets in Japan, including the Tsukiji.、Mm. But from, from that time, Misaki Megumi style is like a port to table. I mean, we had a distributed, to, distributed maguro to restaurants, hotels, sushi bars, I mean, directly to users. Now we have a lot of direct customers all over the world. So we have been doing port to table style that we have been doing since Misaki Megumi startup. So that's our scope or something. Yeah.、Mm, wow. So you, you mean directly, meaning if I wanted to have your tuna, I can order?、Mm-hmm. Yes. We have our website. We have B2C business as well. So our style is the, the company to direct users. Oh, wow. I have to look up、mm-hmm. the website the detail. I didn't notice that、uh, the B2C、uh, mm-hmm. business to consumers, which includes my, myself. Okay. So I'll. Be prepared, I'm gonna order some tuna. <laughs> It's shipped to New York. Nice. Right. Okay. And then, but you know, just quickly go back to,、um, you know, you yourself. So you studied、mm-hmm. engineering at the college you said, but why did you decide to succeed the family business? Oh, that's, that's a big question. <laughs> Actually, I started my career with an advertising agency after coming back to Japan. So at that time, I didn't think I would succeed in the family business. So I worked at an advertising agency for three years. Then I changed jobs to F&B business. After one year experience in the F&B, I joined the Misaki Megumi. What do you、so, mean by food and beverage? Food and beverage business? Yes, right.、Okay. Restaurant business, yeah.、Mm-hmm. And I, didn't, I don't know why. So, it should be destiny or something. <laughs> so, so, usually, people who work, who succeed in the fish family business in Japan, should have experience in working at the market or some big fish company before they would join. But I do not have such experience, but I have other experience like studying in USA, work in the completely different industry. So, I think. That may make s me push to another way. So, actually, some of my co worker, when I, 
when I work in the restaurant business, joined my company, and one of them works in the Singapore right now. So good experience, good you know chance. Right. Well, interesting. I mean, especially like, you know, your father's business based on products. And now you have this marketing mindset uh, Mm -hmm. from studying at college abroad, as well as your advertising agency experience. Right. So and a network. So, right. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, by the way, you, you mentioned Misaki is a very special place. So, Misaki Magura or Tuna from the Misaki Fishing Port uh, is kind of brand name. So what is yep. special about Misaki Fishing Port? Okay, okay, right. The special point of the Misaki Magura is the super frozen. So this is kind of confusing, but uh, Misaki Magura is not caught around the Misaki Port. So Misaki Port is the base port of the deep sea fisheries. So usually like deep sea fisheries go far from port to catch Magura catch tuners. So it usually takes at least like uh, three months. In the longest, it takes a year or more. So all magro ships with Misaki port have a super freeze, super frozen unit, which is minus 60 quick freezer. So as soon as they catch maguro, they take off all blood, guts, and gills on the ship and put them into the minus 60 quick freezer. So this system can make all ships go all over the world to catch maguro with good freshness. And for maguro, the catching season is the most important. So cold water would make maguro more fat to protect its its cold temperature. So ships usually go to go up to north and down to south, heading to winter cold. So you can say Misaki Maguro is always in season. So it's shun in Japanese. So also in Japan, no, in Misaki, grading skill is a special technique. So we can tell the quality from the slice of tail. So from the tail slice, so we can know its freshness, color, and fat content. So this grading skill is very important for maguro business. Mm. Currently, like uh, in Misaki, there are more than 100 comp- Maguro companies and everybody has a special grading skill. So it is called Mekiki in Japanese. So I think it goes to a good Maguro brand in Misaki. Yeah. Right. Okay. Wow. That's amazing, right? So this, the modern technology of fishing is that you can just freeze fish right away and to minus 60 uh, centigrade. So... Yeah. Right, it's, it's amazing. And also, it's it's not kind of surprising how much mm-hmm. tuna or maguro can uh, fetch at the fish market, including uh, Toyosu, which is former Tsukiji market. So, okay. So, um, yeah, so now you do with um, the best of the best tuna. And so, and also tuna is, I mean, maguro also in Japanese is very important food in Japan. So could you tell us uh, the history of eating tuna? In Japan? Okay. Um, so for Japanese, maguro, tuna is a very, very special food for sure. So it is gochiso in Japanese. So we do find maguro in like a New Year Day or birthday anniversary and a special occasion day. So actually maguro history in Japan, it's not so long. I think like, a, not like less than 100 years. So in Edo era, almost like 200 years ago, Maguro, um, like a tour usually go to the garbage because of less freshness. So mm. with the development of cold chain, so eating Maguro became more common in the like 1950s to 1960s. Mm. So many, many Maguro ships were built at that time. So they went to Seville Ocean to catch a magu- good quality maguro. So almost all maguro came to Misaki Port and uh, distributed to all of all of Japan with our making skill. Mm. So it has become a popular food for Japanese people right now. So you can see a lot of maguro at the like supermarket, kombu sushi restaurant, and the casual restaurant. Yeah, right. that's yeah. now it's a so common food. Mm, right. I I looked up also, and then tuna was 
the started to be eaten like 10,000 years ago. And of course, there's mm. no refrigeration back then. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it was locally eaten and it, it's a huge fish. So uh, once you catch it, you have to consume the whole thing, which is impossible probably. And uh, of course, the tuna uh, started to be popular if you, you know, put it as a sushi, which is, you know, the sushi was born in front of Tokyo Bay, meaning like, you can have that fresh fish and put it on on top of uh, sushi rice. That was the mm-hmm. beginning of sushi as yeah. fast food. So, but you said, um, because thanks to the refrigeration system that's being developed, uh, we started to eat more tuna or maguro. And then now it's global. So it's just amazing. Technology really helped us to realize how delicious tuna is. Right. Okay, so, um, but what do you think about... Um, you know, tuna, tuna became very important. And how, um, how important, like, you know, it's, it's important part, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, is that because of the supply is always mm-hmm. available throughout the country? Is that why it, just, it remains popular in Japan? Okay. Um, in 1950s, so Japan needs more protein because of high population growth and economic growth as well. So I think this is one of the reasons that maguro industry developed. So as the as the industry developed, the price were going down, and then maguro is getting be more common food in Japan. So I'm afraid it is to come out right now, but but I believe maguro must be ghost of food and mm, feast like a treat. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So it has become common food for Japanese right now. Yeah. Mm, right. Okay. Um, well, we will take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll dive into Masamit's uh, efforts to yep. become the most yep. sustainable tuna purveyor in the world. So please stay with us. Good food is worth a thousand words. This is Arthi Menon, and I'm delighted to share a new podcast with you. My Family Recipe from Food52 and Heritage Radio Network. Adapted from Food 52's much-loved column of the same name, the My Family Recipe podcast will bring its pages to life. Each episode of My Family Recipe brings you a cherished heirloom recipe and the story behind it, from voices across the world of food. We'd open these tubs of dough and they would exhaust these incredible yeasty fumes and it just smelled like nothing else. It was so intoxicating. I'll interview writers and chefs, parents and children, about what's passed down along with the foods that we know and love. Chinese people aren't like born with a download on how to like velvet chicken. You know, like that's not something that just like comes to you. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, and my guest today is Masamitsu Ishibashi, who is the president and CEO of Misaki Megumi Suisan, based in Japan. And founded in 18, uh, 1986, the company has been focused on processing the set and sales of fresh seafood, in particular, tuna. So um, there are various types of tuna. And could you tell us the popular types of tuna, such as bluefin and yellowfin and all those, and differences among them? Mm-hmm, sure. Um, so actually, like maguro mainly has a, has a five types, and bluefin, southern bluefin, big eye, yellowfin, and the albaco. So bluefin would become the biggest one at the, like 1,000 pounds, and the... Uh, has the potential to have a, the best toro. So when it, when you catch bluefin in the cold water, like a winter time, in the North Atlantic Ocean, around the island, North Japan, or in fall, around the Boston and the New York, it should have the it should have a, the best toro quality. And also, like farming, it became became the popular, become a popular in Japan and the Mediterranean and the Mexico. So once they catch bluefin, they put them into the cage and feed them. Southern bluefin is a completely different species from Northern bluefin. So they would be in South between like Australia and South Africa. So it has a 
good tour as well. So bluefin has a, a little bit sour taste, but southern bluefin has a, a little bit sweet taste. So both those like five types, two nights are completely different type. Mm, interesting. So, um, well, I think this is my my guess, but what's the best tuna you think? It's like a fatter, uh, the fat uh, content is higher? Yeah, but I, uh, it's up to you. For <laughs> me, it's like uh, the akami, lean part is uh, my favorite. So, But some people like uh, toro, the fatty part. So it's up to you. Also, like uh, people ask me, like uh, which one is the best? So I think I can, I, I can answer like uh, the shun in the in season magu is the best, not only the type. Mm, more flavors. In... Yes. Mm. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, because I think the most expensive piece if you go to sushi restaurant, toro. Otoro and Chutoro, they are the yeah. highest price. <laughs> and I tend to save it till the end. So, yeah, that kind of uh, fattiness is something very special. But, yeah, if you are, you know, the connoisseur like Tsu in Japanese, a lot of people right. like uh, Akami, like mm-hmm. red part that you like you like you are. So, right. Um, okay. Well, that's interesting that um, you said the five ty- types of tuna, like uh, the bluefin and the southern mm-hmm. bluefin, um, big eye, Yellowfin, albacore. So mm. that's like different use. Like uh, albacore tend to be processed for canned products. Right. Um, mm. Or um, I think the, you know, the southern bluefin, it's also mm. very ex- expensive as yep. almost like bluefin and they use for sashimi, mm. right? So, yeah, but, um, well, it's it's really hard to say. It's, it's interesting that you said uh, some meat can be, sweeter depending on where it's from um does it come from what they eat i think so yeah up to the feeding way right? mm. feeding or like a bait mm. right is there any like uh, uh this area's uh, tuna tend to be sweeter or like this uh, one is more kind of austere like more kind of meaty for, for, yeah for example like uh, if the fish eat like a uh, shrimp or a crab or something the red color is right. more like a lean. Mm. More right. like a red. Interesting. Right. And also I'm sure that kind of flavor um, For, is reflected in their meat as well. Right. Okay. Um, so, um, and also you're, you're really interesting because I had a guest, um, um, Nick Sakagami, who was helping uh working on uh, the farmed tuna. And then he said that farming tuna is very difficult because it's, uh, you know, they get too energetic in a cage, kind of like a huge uh, contained area. So they bump into the wall and kill themselves. So that kind of thing is a very difficult fish to farm. But you said it's becoming more popular now? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, mm. it's, it's popular right now. Right. So I think it's t- difficult, but it's popular. Mm, mm. Right. So it's a worth the investment, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So what's the difference though between farmed fish and the wild fish? Do you see any different taste or flavors? So I think like the farmed one is more fatty and wild one is more like a wild taste. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like everything else. Right. Right. So like a, a yeah, chicken or beef but also it's also depending on what kind of texture taste you like like mm-hmm. grass-fed beef or a grain finished beef that kind of thing so it's it's not it's not that which one is better right it mm-hmm. comes to taste right right okay That's right so when your sushi chef says this is a farmed um fish uh, tuna from spain mm-hmm. and then this is a wide uh, tuna from boston it's, boston, it's not yeah. yeah it can be you you could love wild one mm-hmm. or the farm mm-hmm. one, depending on who you mm-hmm. are, right? Right. Okay. And uh, so tuna is one of the most essential ingredients of sushi. And you, we see the different parts of tuna on the menu, like, you know, akami, chutoro, and otoro. So for listeners who are not totally familiar with this kind of different parts, could you tell us the differences between these different parts of tuna? Mm-hmm. So actually, like, it's a, like a, the red red part is the center of maguro, so almost we call the akami, mm. which means the red part. 
So usually like a center of magura. So chutori is uh, like just under the skin. So with a little bit of fat. Mm-hmm. So chutori is a, uh, means like a middle, middle fat or something. Mm-hmm. So, right. And otro is a belly part of the tuners. The most, most like a fattest part in the magura. But otro is only like a 50% from whole body. So it's so rare. That's why the price price is expensive. Mm, right, but the truth is that <laughs> well, it's hard to believe, but uh, that otoro, those most precious and expensive part, used to be thrown away in Japan because Japanese people were not used to eat fatty food until the Western food came to Japan in mm-hmm. 19th century. So, uh, also without refrigeration, you know, fatty pieces tend to be more uh, kind of perishable. So. Yeah, we yeah. used to throw away all kind of gold <laughs> into the mm. ocean, right? Okay, so, um, and also I think, you know, just because otoro, the fatty part is more expensive, it doesn't mean that it's better. Because to me personally, for example, I like chutoro as the balance mm-hmm. between um, mm. the best part of fat mm. and uh, right. like the meatiness of a kami. And, right, and also, I don't know, um, why you like uh, kami, but to me, um, that kind of bloody, um, like really like, um, you know, medium rare or rare beef, the kind of bloodiness does mm. really <laughs> kind of appeals to your appetite. And mm. one time I uh, I paired a, a kami with gamay, uh wine, you know, for the Beaujolais kind of grape, then that have the same common bloodiness. And it was a surprise um, that combination of wine and akami, they can go very well together too. So the tuna is a very interesting uh, fish. Nice, nice. Right. Okay. And on your website, you also sell rare parts of mm-hmm. tuna, like unusual parts, uh, such as kamatoro or oh, okay. haramo, mm-hmm. hohoniku. Like, could you tell us those in- unusual parts and why you should eat them? Okay. So... I think you can eat, we can eat the whole maguro. There is no part that you put in the garbage. So kamatoro is a very, very rare part. It is tip of the belly part. So I think like less than 3% from the whole body. So it's rare. So it is good fat part, but it's something chewy. So it is good for abri with a burner or like a hot pot or something. So anyway, it's the grilling part. So chick part is also good part, good and rare. So it, it looks like a beef meat. It's good for grilling or a steak or a karage or something. So one of my chef friends makes a ramen soup from maguro bones. Mm. A restaurant in my town makes a maguro head grill. So many mm. tourists come to eat head grill. So nice. there are so many, <laughs> so many maguro. This is depending on the parts. Please visit my town to eat special mago dishes. Mm. It must be fun. Yeah. Right. And, you know, because we on a sushi uh, plate, we only have the imagination of one tiny piece, but maguro mm. is huge. Like you said, like it could be 1,000 kilo- kilograms. So, right. So maguro head could be like a giant and I must be yeah. very dramatic. Mm. And mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And also you, um, you sell heart and stomach. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that sounds really interesting and tasty. So how do you cook them? Um, grilling is the best one. But if the heart is fresh, you can eat by sashimi mm. with garlic or you know, ginger. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I like chicken heart. I would imagine it's kind of ni- nicely fatty mm-hmm. and uh, uh, tender. Right. Okay. So, all right. So, um in your statement on Misaki Suisan's website, uh, you differentiate tuna and maguro. So, what is the difference between the two? Okay, so so this is this is my kind of my word and my definition. But the first difference is the quality for sashimi or sushi. Um, maguro must have a good freshness, good quality, good sustainability, anything good. So. And catching skill, good preservation, and uh, good makiki are necessary for maguro. So on the other hand, uh, tuna is not sashimi great, great quality. Um, 
not freshness, so not like a, not like sustainability. So we would like to distribute better one to everybody. So I say Magrod and Tuna is different. So technically, like polling, long-line fisheries, and super super frozen preservation should be Magro. But processing and slow freezing must be tuna because of less freshness. Mm. Mm. Right. Well, that's interesting. I happened to interview like 10 sushi chefs lately for an article. And mm. they, all Japanese chefs... Uh, who who knew who grew up mm-hmm. with traditional and uh, Japanese caught fish? They said, "Well, local fish is amazing, and they mm-hmm. only wish the how the fish is treated in the same way as they are in Japan. The fish market would thrive with local fish because that's the thing. It's even if it's the pristine, amazing fish, it's it's like completely it's like abundant." Compared mm-hmm. to Japanese, like just born newborn baby, they're mm-hmm. so spoiled from <laughs> the, the, the ocean to your table. So I think that there's a lot to improve in terms of distribution from the moment the fish is caught to get to your table outside Japan. And uh, I know um, a lot of Japanese chefs wants to change that. And they're even willing to educate local fishermen, but... It's just not easy and it costs a lot of money. So mm-hmm. it's really frustrating because knowing um, some Boston tuna is caught, but then shipped to Japan to get to the best, most well-selling um, like Toyosu market to get, to get the, the highest price. And mm-hmm. they go back right. to American market <laughs> kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so the point is how the quality is achieved. It's almost like obsession, right? Japanese way to catch tuna process and then um, just brought to the market. It's a complete system. I think, um, do you have any video that you can uh, share to our listeners, like how meticulously they're taken care of? I hope you can make one and then we can just show right. everybody. <laughs> okay, sure. Right. Uh, yeah, let me know if you make one. Mm-hmm. So, um, by the way, so tuna is auctioned at fish mm-hmm. markets, like mm-hmm. most famously at the world biggest fish market again at Toyosu in Tokyo. So, could you tell us how the tuna auction works? Okay, so so every morning that Toyosu market has a tuna auction, as you know. So so many and some small market in Japan have auction as well. So each style is different. It is very interesting, I think. So the New Year auction makes headline every time because of high price. But that that dramatic price is it's only once a year. It's like a show. So the usual auction is every day looks like a routine. So so Japanese fish market system is actually like very, very complicated. Even if I explain it in Japanese, it's it's hard to explain understand it so it is uh, like it is like a kind of old style so I, I hope somebody will install some like it or dx or any other technology it should be much more convenient but but it's japanese style i think yeah right okay so so people who has uh, who have license to mm-hmm. be able oh, to yeah. go to the auction floor yeah. and then they just traditionally they scream get mm-hmm. the price and get the best one and then just get the, what they want. Is that as simple as that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, because you need the right, you need a license to buy, to join the auction in market. So you have to buy from the like middleman in the marks, the market. That's a, that's that's a Japanese style, but it's much more complicated to 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 explain in detail. Right. So <laughs> who can buy that? Who can get license? Like if I wanted to become a tuna merchant, can I get the license? I don't think so. It's, it's kind of difficult to get it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you need to know white people and yeah. something like that. Mm. Wow. Okay. So there is a um, some obstacle for mm. outsiders to go in. So that's maybe one of the reasons that tradition remains mm. untouched. But, okay. So do you know how many people have Licenses? In Toyosu or? Let's say Toyosu. 
tools. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but like more than like there three hundred or something. But oh, in Misaki yeah. now we have a we have like a fire no one hundred license mm-hmm. right now. Okay, mm-hmm. right, interesting. Okay, so by the way, you used the you know the word mekiki a couple times. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a keyword at the auction, right? right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that means that mekiki is that the kind of a capability. Mm-hmm. Um, or the criteria to select the best. It's it's not just for tuna, but something valuable. You need the mm-hmm. mikiki, like the skills mm-hmm. to evaluate mm-hmm. and what what's right, what's wrong. So so how do you select tuna? What kind of mikiki okay. technique? So, so usually we tell fish by tail cut, so we can know it's 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 color, freshness, and a fat container from the tail. So if you tell it from fishtail, you should be good to make it key. Mm-hmm. And also catching area, catching way, fish safe are criteria if it's maguro or tuna. Mm, right. So when you see tuna, there are some uh, um, kind of markers. They, is there any weights from and the weight and mm-hmm. how it's caught? Can you see that? when you see the tuna on the floor at the auction? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So on the, on, the, on the surface of the tuna, it's, it's, it's a label on it. So it says like uh, the catching area, catching way, the catching origin or something. Mm-hmm. You can know. But it's not so important information. So tail cut is the most important information what maguro is. So we check the... Oh, Always we check the tail slice, then we mm. know the it's it's condition of the fish. Right. So seeing is almost everything. <laughs> right, right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So how, for you, how long did it take to be able to see which one is good or not? Uh, I think it takes like a couple of years if you go to market every day. So, okay. And now you export tuna to 15 countries, including the USA. Mm. And Asia. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. is tuna becoming more popular globally? And if so, why is why is that? Okay, so now there are so many Japanese food restaurants all over the world. And also they are increasing. They are still increasing. So the quality of Japanese restaurants in foreign countries is getting better. And the chef's skill is getting better as well. So everybody is asking for higher, high, higher quality material. So that's why Japan, Japan's maguro is growing globally. So, but actually, you know, so you can find good quality maguro not only from Japan, but also from Spain, Mexico, and Boston or something. So they go directly to consumption place from origin place. I mean, maguro become a global food. But I'm pretty sure, like that, making skill is more needed for 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 better maguro. Mm, yeah. Right. Okay. So now let's talk about sustainability. Mm-hmm. So, so sustainability is a major topic nowadays, and in particular, seafood is often a big agenda. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what is happening in the supply and demand of tuna right now? Uh, any trends over the mm-hmm. last 10, 20 years? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I believe that sustainability is the most important for all stakeholders globally. So we, Misaki Megumi, think this is a super hot agenda as well. So I'm not like a scientist. I'm not sure what is exactly happening in the sea, but I think Maguro is decreasing in some places, but increasing in the other places. For example, in Atlantic Ocean, I heard there are so many bluefin found in the catching season from fishery side and the scientists agree with it but i think it is because of strict catching rules but I, i'm not sure if bluefin in the pacific ocean is increasing there is no evidence that bluefin in pacific ocean is increasing so something happening in the big eye yellow well, same same thing happening in the big eye yellowfin i mean it's up to the area so southern bluefin is increasing for sure this is because of strict catching rule in the in south as well. 
So I can say all maguro are not in red list right now. We must choose a good fish. I mean, both of distributors and consumers. So also like MSC certification is one of choice, but more MSC fish are not altogether bad. And so, and the MSC is, is costing us too much money right now. So fortunately, maguro has a big, like uh, some life force. So, for example, in bluefin in Atlantic Ocean and the uh, southern bluefin in South, both both fishes increased for sure in the last five years. Once you follow the rules, mm. right? Mm. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the I found the data that you know the world catch up tuna since mm-hmm. 1980s uh, mm. has tripled. So obviously. You know, the tuna consumption is increasing. And like we talked earlier, sushi restaurants are becoming more popular. And then naturally people eat a lot more tuna. But it's interesting, right? It depends on which regions. And it really reflects the regulations mm-hmm. of the certain government or certification uh, organization. So, okay. And then you are aiming to be the most sustainable tuna purveyor in the world. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what is your philosophy of sustainability. sustainability. Okay, um, so we don't buy, we don't sell small maguro less than like uh, 20 pounds. And also we don't sell, we don't buy maguro caught by prosane. So mm. this is not only for sustainability, but also it has a quality issues. I think the combination of the good quality and the good sustainability must go to the good maguro. And some people may boycott eating them for sustainability, but I don't think this is the best solution. So continuously eating good fish means that the, you know, the true, good, the best sustainability. So that's why we distrib- we we distributors the middleman we have to choose and distribute good fish to consumers. So mm. actually. Nobody knows what exactly happening in the sea, but we have to be chosen by customers and the fishermen. So building up the reliable, sustainable chain must be necessary for the future. Hmm. Right. So, yeah, you said, you know, the there are certain ways to catch fish, like what you mentioned, that purse seining and mm-hmm. or round hole seining. It's like really like a big net captures mm-hmm. a lot of other fish and then it's not sustainable because there's so many bycatch mm-hmm. and well the that's one thing but um yeah it's almost like well so let's see um if you just stop eating tuna and then there's a whole food chain so what tuna used to eat eat more fish and then that smaller fish is going to be in trouble because yeah. they are all eaten. So it's like a whole <laughs> <laughs> balanced uh, food yeah. chain is going to collapse. Yeah. So it's very myopic to say, well, let's just not eat tuna, which is not good. So so what we should do is more responsible eating. So one chef I know, he's a very tra- Japanese traditional chef, and he had a restaurant, and he's a Michelin star restaurant. He, he closed, but... So one customer came to the restaurant and he said, give me all tuna possible. Mm. Mm. And he kicked out the customer because it's not responsible. It's not respectful to other customers. And you can't just do that. It's almost like a, give me all the caviar possible mm. <laughs> because I want to eat mm. it before it's gone. So that kind of mindset is very um, not sustainable. And I think we all should have good sense of enjoyment and also responsible for what we are surrounded by, which is called nature. So, yeah, I like the way you think about consuming fish. So, um, yeah, you also mentioned now, luckily, farmed tuna is more available Mm -hmm. in the market. So do you know Mm -hmm. what the percentage is um, of farmed fish? So actually, I don't I don't know exactly number, but but actually, like farm bluefin is very popular in Japan, the Mediterranean, and the Mexico, also Australia is farming southern bluefin. So I don't know exact exact number, yeah. But um, in bluefin, I feel more than like a fifty fifty percent is a farmed one. So also in Japan, 
One Life One Life Circle Farming is getting popular. I mean, it is farmed from eggs. So mm. also, so farming bluefin is uh, another issue, which is the feed. The main feed of farming bluefin is a small fish. So nowadays, the price of the small fish is getting higher, and it's difficult to catch a lot. So you need 10 pounds feed to increase one pound. So almost 10 times. So bluefin is increasing while small fish may decrease. So pellet feeding is getting popular, but it still has a problem problems of the, with the fish quality. So anyways, so farming is not so 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 difficult now getting popular right now, but there's still some problems. Mm, right. Mm. So it's a uh, right. So farming is not a solution, but uh, considering again the food chain, we need to think about the better way. Which I think I see mm. in New York, for example, there are many Japanese traditionally trained chefs who mm. try to discover more local fish that could be very tasty, just not introduced enough to general consumers mm-hmm. like tuna mm-hmm. or salmon. So, yeah, I hope that those uh, efforts can be more mainstream and a lot of global sushi chefs um, try to find something locally really delicious. And that sounds like uh, uh, the most reasonable, like <laughs> thoughtful solution for the fish consumption. Right. right. Okay. Um, all right. So um, let's see. I have many questions, but um, one of them is you have a unique sustainability project called mm-hmm. Maguro Tenki or Tuna oh. Electricity <laughs> with your wife, Haruka Ishibashi. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what is it? Okay. Um, actually, okay, Maguro Denki means Maguro Electric in English. So I guess it sounds funny, but uh, we are serious. So as I explained, Mostly our maguro is uh, super frozen. So those maguro are from all over the world. So we grow them, we process them, and we keep them at a super frozen temperature. So then we distribute it uh, all over Japan and all over the world right now. So can you imagine how we consume energy and produce CO gas? So I think our activity must be sustainable, sustainable as well. So we would like not to stop our activity, but we would like to choose another way. So that is why we will change our energy source to renewable energy by 2025, so which is RE100. So I hope our RE100 declaration would change all seafood, seafood distribution. As I said, nobody knows exactly how exactly what is happening in the sea or how much maguro is in sea so it, or like increasing or decreasing nobody knows so but it's not so difficult to know how much we the produce your gas from buying to selling so we have to we need to offset them so also this action should expand to others that is why we started to sell renewable energy to other seafood stakeholders. So this is Magrodenk project. So actually we don't know, we do not produce energy yet. So we currently buy renewable energy from the generators. So but we would start generate renewable energy in your future to use our super frozen and sell to others. That's mm. Magrodenk project. Wow, that, that's amazing. Wow, very impressive. Yeah, and uh, so it's it's funny. I was reading your website, and uh, happened mm-hmm. to be in Japanese, but uh, your wife is very forward-minded. Mm-hmm. And um, I heard you grow chicken in, in your yard. Right, right. <laughs> and then you have all energy. You have a solar mm-hmm. system for your house. So you're really practicing from mm-hmm. the grassroots. So, yeah, it's just a really respect what you're doing mm-hmm. and your wife as well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay, but um, I really hope that you're going to um, keep that Maguro Denki project going. And please yeah, keep you. me posted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what are your plans and dreams? Dreams, okay. So... One of our visions is fish food culture to next generation. So we have to do many things to be done. So it's like a sustainability 
energy and the food education. And there, there are many things we have to consider. So I, don't, I would like people all over, all over the world to enjoy fish culture more. So to enjoy fish food culture, what we, what we would like to do. So enjoying fish, yeah. Mm, That's, mm. Right, and sustainably. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, and I really think that what you're doing is very forward-minded and, and it's very important considering how much tuna we are eating, <laughs> or I would say maguro and tuna <laughs> both. So, yeah, so good luck. And uh, where can we find your updates online and social media? And also, how can we order your fish <laughs> from oh, your okay. website? <laughs> we, we have our line side but we can export directly to consumers in the united states we are trying to do it mm-hmm. but if you come to japan and you can eat our maguro in our restaurant and also you can order by website if you live in japan Mm, right okay well we have listeners in uh, 190 countries <laughs> i'm proud of you to say that so <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> yeah so and uh, someone wants to have your tuna maybe they can send you a request if they are not within the, the scope of export right now so so is the website uh www.misaki and hyphen minus megumi.co.jp Okay, so it's m i s a k i hyphen m e g u m i dot c o dot j p j p. Right. Also, we have a we have a Facebook page and an Instagram, so you can okay. you can research. Right. So Instagram the Misaki Megumi. So again, it's m i s a k i m e g u m i. Right. Okay. So ah, that's exciting. So good luck and thank you for thank joining you. us today, Nasamitsu. Thank you. Thank you. So listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japanese.heritageradionetwork.org or akikokatayama.com. Japanese is a weekly program and always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitch and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Armin Spenjan and thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Japanese is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening.